Thank you, Cleve. Thank you, team, for their wonderful work today. Uh, aren't you glad to have such a wonderful team around us? Amen. And uh, yes, give them a hand. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of John this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 6. If you have your outlines uh, ready to go, you want to get those out and get a pen ready because we're going to start right away and jump right into that as well. If you're watching online, we want to welcome you or thank you that you're joining us online and however you may be joining us, we're glad that you're with us today. So the question I want to ask us as we begin today is this, have you ever experienced something so great that you just wanted to repeat it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Anybody with me? And over and over. Okay. Yeah. I was getting tired of the over and over last night as I went under and under and under and under. Uh, yeah. I was ready for that to be done. Yeah. Uh, but maybe you've had one of those experiences that was just so great that you just wanted to repeat it as much as you possibly could. Let's look to the Word of God this morning from the book of John. I want to invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word from John chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 24. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. You'll have it on the screen there in front of you. Follow along with me as we read from God's Word. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor His disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of His approval. They replied, We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one He has sent. They answered, Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them again, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. I am the bread of life. You see, we so many times are so concerned about perishable things just as these people were. Perishable things, we think of things that are so great, but in reality, they're going to perish. They will die. I think about my life and think about some of those perishable moments. I was in the fifth grade, and I was invited to my good friend's birthday party. 
And I went over to his house, and it, was, it could have been one of those early times where we actually were going to have a sleepover with a bunch of guys and playing games over at their house. And my friend's mom was an incredible baker. She had her own bakery in the mall. I know the malls are becoming extinct, but she had a little storefront there that she would do her baking in. And so she baked his birthday cake, and it was the best cake I have ever had in my life. And I said to my friend's mother, I, I, I just begged her, I said, can you please write that down? I want to have this for my birthday. You see, this was so great that I wanted to repeat it over and over and over. And she was so gracious and kind, she wrote that out. She stuck it in my, in my bag to take home with me the next day, and I made sure the first thing I did when I got home is I ran that recipe card to my mom, and I said, you have got to try this, because we want to repeat this over and over and over again. Repeating the same thing is not always easy. It's not easy to copy a recipe. Somebody's puts their, all the ingredients together, but if it's just not the right dash of personality or the pinch of love that goes in that, it doesn't always come out the same. You see, I've asked my mom and now my wife to try to repeat this cake every single year for my birthday. And they do a fabulous job, but the last two years especially... I have said to my wife, Alicia, this is the best lemon cake I have ever had. She's repeated it, and now I'm hungry. So. <laughs> but we want something that's so great, we want it over and over and over again. And see, that's where these people were. As they've gathered to hear Jesus, they just spent time listening to him teach. They had just spent time gathered among their friends and their family to hear from Jesus. And in fact, he did miracles for them. But they were so concerned that, about the perishable things that when they got up the next day, they looked around for the disciples, they looked around for Jesus, and he was nowhere to be found. And they said, we have to go find him. We need more. We need more of this. You see, they were still hungry. And if we're honest with ourselves today and with God, and, and I would encourage you today, God already knows whether you're honest with Him or not. He already knows. So let's just be honest with Him for a moment. We all experience a hunger for something more in our life. We all experience that hunger to repeat something over and over again. Once we have it, we want to experience it again. And so I want to take a few moments and unpack this lesson from John's gospel this morning. And I want us to find out some ways that we can apply to our own life how we can experience the bread of life. So the first thing I think we need to understand is the basic premise that is this. When you have physical food enter your body you will experience physical life. Physical food equals physical life. When God is able to meet our physical needs, it causes us to think of things in more spiritual ways. Even though there's times when he's just meeting a physical need. 
There's a miracle that took place just before this, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute, but Jesus met a physical need. The disciples came to Jesus and said, all these people are hungry. How many of you in here have ever been hungry? Okay, put your hands down. How many of you are hungry now? All right, more hands. All right, there we go. So I'll try to hurry through this. But you see, Jesus knew the need was physical. He knew they needed to eat. And so what did he do? He sent the disciples out. They gathered the food. They did the work. They prayed. They blessed it. And God did the miracle. Amen? God is good. He's the giver of all good things, especially physical food. He, he physically met a need. And the people were looking and they, they, were, they were longing to have that physical need met. But sometimes, you see, we get things out of balance. We examine it too closely or we desire more of the same because we've had an experience that has changed us and we want that again. And these people were looking for Jesus because they were fed by him before and now they're hungry again. They were focused on the bread and the fish. And now it's a new day and there's a new physical need. These are the same people that came from a line of people in the nation of Israel that were fed from heaven. And as if we look to the, back to the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 16, we can see that story. And, and I don't want to take time to, to read the whole story for you today, but I want to just explain it to you. You see, Moses had, had helped the nation of Israel come out of Egypt, and they had exodus out of this. You can find it there in Exodus 16. Go check my sources here later on today and read it for yourself. But as they're traveling in the wilderness and they're escaping the, 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 the Pharaoh's ruling and Egypt's, the slavery that they were in, they begin to have physical needs. And they say, you know what, Moses, go and, and pray to God to feed us. We need food. Back in Egypt, we at least had food. Can you feed us? So God hears Moses' prayer and he rains down manna from heaven, heavenly bread. I, I would almost guarantee that that manna was better than that lemon cake. Amen? Heavenly bread has got to be good. I can't wait to get there and try it. Um, but they, he rained down heavenly bread, manna from heaven, and every day he gave them his specific instructions to gather as much as they needed for their family for that day, except on Saturday. On Saturday, they were allowed to go and collect a double portion so that they didn't have to go and collect it on Sunday. What an incredible plan. God meeting a physical need with physical food. What an incredible thing. You see, these people had realized that, that they had been met this physical need from the manna in heaven. And what we have to understand that today is the manna from heaven was from God. It was not from Moses. In your outline, it's wrong. That's my fault, okay? I'm, I get Abraham and Moses mixed up. Yeah. You're a pastor. How does that happen? It does. It just, it just works. It's Moses, not Abraham. Cross that out. Right, Moses. That's my fault. So don't, don't get caught up there, please. That's not the point of the story. But the manna from heaven was from God, not from Moses. But as we read in our text today, the people, these descendants of the same people are now experiencing Jesus firsthand. And they go to Jesus and they have the gall to say to Jesus, you know what, back in the day, Moses provided this food. No, he didn't. You see, the giver of all good things is God. 
even our physical needs, being met by perishable things. God is the source. We jump back to the context of Jesus' life here in John's story, and, and these people have just experienced the great miracle that we talked about a couple weeks ago. And if you go rewind in your Bible a few verses, John chapter 6, we were in Mark's gospel, but John tells the same story where Jesus feeds these people physical food. It wasn't that Jesus went to the market and bought all this food. It was that Jesus prayed and God provided. You see, God is the source. The miracle takes place. A physical need is met and a spiritual meaning is underlying the whole thing. Jesus was there. They were following Jesus because they wanted to experience that great sign, that great miracle again. You see, Jesus did the miracle, and he fed the 5,000, but they were still hungry. They were still hungry. I believe at this point, we're starting to get a little piece of what Jesus was trying to share with, with these people. But at this point, Jesus is understanding that sometimes even as we follow Jesus now, we don't totally get the whole picture. We don't see the big picture that God has for us. We see the miracle or we see the big need and we seek God to meet that need, but we don't see why he's doing it all. And Jesus is beginning to unpack this for him because these same people just experienced this miracle and now they're saying, we want another sign. And this was so cool. They had seen the disciples be sent out and they had done ministry. They had cast out demons. They had healed. They had had told people where to find forgiveness and through Jesus Christ. And now they're seeing Jesus do these things. And we see it in this text today. And I think this is really cool. When somebody follows a follower of Jesus, they want more of what that person has. Let me repeat that a different way. If you are a follower of Christ and you are living out your life for Christ around other people, people will want what you have. Amen? That's the goal. Making disciples is about living it out with other people, going on this journey together and saying, hey, I got something you need. Why don't you come with me? It's not like at some stores, and I know our Walmart is not this way. I'm not bashing Walmart. Please hear that. But you go into a store and you say, hey, where can I find the toilet paper? And they'll say, oh, it's clear over in the hardware section. You know, it doesn't make any sense. But they don't take you there. And then you're still lost. When we're following Christ, it's like, where do I find what you have? Why do you have this smile on your face? Why do you go to church on Sunday? Why do you live it out Monday through Saturday? Why do you seem to have so much peace in your life? Well, I'll tell you. Why don't you come with me and I'll show you. Amen? And they're saying, Jesus, you just did this incredible sign. We want another one. We're trying to find you because we know you can do it. And in fact, we know you can do it. Would you help us to do it? We want to do your work. We want to be on your team. We're so glad we're a part of this. And Jesus says there's only one work that's needed of you. The only work God needs from you is to believe in the one who he sent. Jesus. But yet, we still want another sign. When do you think that we're ever going to get enough 
Have you ever thought about that? When do you think you will experience true contentment in your life? When do you get to a point and you say, okay, God, thanks, I'm full. Or when will you say to the world, you know what? Mm, I'm good. When will we get to that point when we'll finally say, you know what? I've had enough. Even when we experience great physical needs that are met, we desire to repeat it over and over and over and over. Why? Because we want to experience that same thing. Why? Because if we're honest today, we're all experiencing a hunger for something more than just something that's physical. All of us have a desire, have a hunger for something more in life. And I'm so glad that it doesn't stop with just the physical. Amen? Let's look at the second part of this. Spiritual food equals spiritual life. Spiritual food equals spiritual, spiritual life. You know, a few years ago, I preached a, a series on, on eating this book, and we were talking about getting into God's Word and, and devouring this book and digesting this book, taking it in for all that it's worth and hearing it in new and fresh ways. And, and I'm not going to ask you how many of you remembered that series because I know it was more than yesterday, and so I don't want to go through that today. But we talked about how we've got to get into the Word. Why? Because God's Word is one of the primary ways that He speaks to us. God's Word, this right here, this book, full of 66 smaller books, is the inspired Word of God. Amen? This has everything you and I need in order for us to experience salvation and go to heaven. Amen? Well, Pastor, what about that part back there where it contradicts itself? When it comes to salvation and eternity with Him, it is infallible. Amen? This is the inspired Word of God. This is what matters most. Amen? And guess what? God loves you so much. God loves you so much that He wrote this letter for you. He wants you to not just have to come to church and hear some guy get up and talk for 30 minutes to get God's, God's Word to you. He's given it to you. And it's so cool because he's given it to other smart people that are smarter than me that can take the original language and make it to where it makes sense to me. And guess what? I can read it every single day and grow deeper in my knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is and what it's going to take to be like him. That's good news, folks. So God has given us this letter and if you want to know, sometimes we go through life and we think, you know what, I just really am not sure if God's speaking to me. If you've ever asked that question of yourself, get in His Word. Because if you really want to hear God speak to you, go read what He's saying. And you might be going through life and you think, you know what, I don't know if what I'm hearing, it sounds like it could be of God. It sounds like it could be of His Holy Spirit. And, and it's not from His Word, but I'm hearing it from other sources. And they seem to be having this all check out. Check it with Scripture. This will never contradict what God's will is. So whatever you're taking in, whatever you're feeding on, as we learned last week, whatever you're consuming in your life, if it doesn't match with God's will, it will reveal itself in His Word. There's no, there's no second guessing it. 
You know, another way God speaks to us is sometimes we, we hear things from other people or we read another book that's not the Bible and we think, well, is this really God's word? Check it. You might even come to church one day and say, boy, that pastor, he was really off his rocker today. Go check it. Hold me accountable. This is his word, not mine. Check his word. He wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. So if you're wondering, why am I not hearing from, from God's word? When's the last time you opened it? You know, you don't have to just carry this around with you all the time. I, I've become a little bit um, open-minded to how God speaks. You see, I don't want to put God in a little box that he could only speak right in here. But I'm so glad that he's created people that have given them brains and given them know-how to be able to put it on things like this or your phone. I was sitting in a seminar at assembly and the guy leading the seminar kept referencing his phone when he said God's word. He goes, this really isn't God's word, but this is where I can access it. I don't care how you access it. Just access it. Amen? I don't care if you're going to go hunt down the Dead Sea Scrolls. Go do it. Whatever it takes. But get in God's Word. Get in God's Word. Sometimes we tend to get things out of balance, though. We take things and we put our spin on it. We take things and we put our interpretation or our understanding on it. And sometimes we do this with good things. And we say things like this, oh, God told me to do this, or God said this to me, or God revealed this to me. I want to tell you right now, I want you to be very careful when you use that phrase. Because if it really wasn't from God, you are blaspheming the word of God. One of the best pieces of advice I got as, as a young person that was going through the, the process of becoming a pastor and a minister in the church was somebody said to me, BJ, don't ever Use God to your advantage when you say, God told me to do this. If God didn't tell you to say that or do that, do not ever put him in that place. And I want to encourage you. It's an encouragement, not a chastising. Don't overuse God told me this or that. If you're not sure, check it. If you're not sure, ask somebody. God uses so many different ways to speak to us and to reveal his will to us, but we can get things out of balance sometimes. And when we get things out of balance, we need to realize that the only source of our spiritual food is God. God is that source. You see, the people that Jesus was teaching, they were getting things out of balance. They knew the stories of Moses leading the people out of Egypt. They knew the stories of being fed by the manna from heaven. But they were out of balance because they believed that Moses was the provider. You see, Jesus, throughout this teaching time, sets them straight. And we hear it multiple times in this passage. But he says the, these exact words. Jesus responds to them kind of getting things off kilter by saying, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Moses was not the provider of the manna. You say Moses provided the people with food from heaven. Moses was not the provider. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. That heavenly bread came from God the Father. You see, we can read our Bibles every day. We could get in this religious 
exercise of getting in God's word every single day. And there may be days we get something out of it. There may be days that we're just like, why did I read that? I've been there. I close my Bible and I pray to God and I say, God, thank you for your word. Help me to apply that, whatever it is today, because I don't know what it was. But God always has a way to speaking to us. Sometimes we read his word, we get something out of it, or sometimes we don't. And maybe God's given it to us that day to save it for later. Maybe you feel it, you feel God's word, it speaks to you on an emotional level. Maybe you don't. Maybe you go and you pray every day and you talk to God every day and you pour out your heart to him every day. And maybe our prayers are so one-sided that we forget to listen to God. Maybe we listen for him, maybe we don't. You see, there's even some of us that, that will go to church and we'll come to church and we'll even brag about how long we've been coming to church and yet we don't experience the living, powerful God in our life. Guess what? Coming to church will not get you to heaven. Somebody say amen. Coming to church will help you to grow in your walk with the Lord so that those people out there that don't realize what you have, they need. That's what church is about. That's what you are about. We're not just one church where we come to worship. We are 170 different churches that get to be sent out. And God says, you know what? Pastor BJ is not the source. Pastor Greg and Pastor Alicia are not the source. The church board is not the source. God is our source. And we must get to know him so that we can go out. We get things so twisted sometimes. If I go to church, man, if I go to church for 30 years, I must be doing something right. Well, it's better than not. I'll say that. Something that's been very eye-opening to me just this very week, I was reminded of this. The longer somebody sits in a church service and never experiences the power of God in their life, the more likely it is that they will miss heaven because they will settle for just going through the motions. I can go to church, I'm going to get two or three scriptures every week. Well, guess what? Even the people that Jesus was teaching, they got hungry. They wanted to be fed again. Guess what? When I come to church to be fed and to receive what God has for me, I can't wait another week to get fed again. Amen? And guess what? You don't get to take me in your pocket every day. I don't get to feed you every day. God's word can. Every single day, it's for you and it's for me. You see, we get it messed up. We get it, we get it out of bounds sometimes, and we think Moses was the provider. No. God was the provider. You see, without Jesus, we may still exist, but there definitely is not life. Without Jesus, there may be existence, but there is not life. Jesus says to the people he's teaching in verse 32 and 33, he says it again, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread of heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. You see, folks, Jesus is the bread of life sent from God in heaven. That's good news today. 
God is the giver of good things. He gave manna from heaven to the Israelites. And God also gave Jesus to the world for us all. Sometimes I think we overcomplicate things in this spiritual realm of things. Now, hear me out. I think there's times where we need to grow deeper and we need to understand things at a deeper level. And we need to stop drinking the milk as as young Christians and begin to move to solid food and what Jesus is trying to teach us. I believe that with all of my heart. But I think sometimes we overcomplicate it and we think you gotta, you got to understand all this before you can even accept. And that's not it at all. Jesus says, I came down from heaven to be the bread of life that will satisfy you. All you have to do, he says, is believe in the one God has sent. There's only one. There's no need for another miracle. There's no need for another sign. So I want us to try to summarize this for us today as we try to close this out. I don't want us to think that we have it all figured out. And really we're misunderstanding what God is trying to teach us today. If we believe in God through Jesus Christ, that should change our lives. Jesus says in verse, 30, in verse 35 of our text this morning, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So pastor, if we don't want to oversimplify it, that means if I believe in him that I can make a commitment today and I can just coast the rest of the way, right? It says I'll never be hungry again. I'll be satisfied. No, we get it out of balance. That's not how it works. You see, what he's talking about is Jesus came to be counter-cultural. We're seeking things, we're wanting things that will, that will repeat itself, that we can continue to experience. And Jesus says, you need to experience me so you're not looking elsewhere for that same satisfaction. You need to experience the, the living, breathing breath of God in your life so that you're not looking somewhere else in this world that the world will disappoint you. Jesus is way better than lemon cake. Jesus is way better than anything this world will ever, will ever offer you. Jesus is all we ever need. There's no other sign. There's no other miracle that's needed. The miracle happened on the cross. And it happened because he died. He breathed his last. He said, the Bible says that his final breath left him. And then three days later, he's not there. That's better than anything. And yet so many times we get it misunderstood and we start to seek satisfaction with trying to repeat a great thing over. And we do it in the church, folks. Man, the glory years. Man, that Sunday was so good. The Spirit moved. Let's repeat it every week. Bless God, I hope so. But we have to come prepared. Amen? We've got to do our part. We're not coming to church to experience God. God comes and lives in us. He, this is all free, folks. I could go on for hours today, but I won't because some of you want to go canoeing. He wants to come and indwell us, to satisfy us. It's a spiritual hunger that you'll never have to worry about anymore. Here's the, here's the really thing that's cool, and I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, 
But I love this. I love this about following Jesus. Even after a week of crazy ministry, even after Backyard Bible Club week and all that has gone into that, there is nothing I wanted more than to wake up every day and open God's word. I didn't care how tired I was. I didn't care what I had to do on the, on the plate that day. I didn't care. I wanted to seek him more and more. And if we would quit following Jesus for the next miraculous sign and start following Jesus so that he changes our life and we want nothing more but Jesus, it will change your life forever. He will take care of all the needs. The perishable things will perish, but he'll still meet your needs. Spiritual food will lead to spiritual life. Jesus is the answer. As we close today, we're going to go around the Lord's table. And I want to remind you of this closing challenge today before we partake together. When we take life from Christ, two things happen. He's the bread of life. We just read that. We just understood that. So the first thing that happens when we take life from Christ, what I mean by that is we accept his gift of life in our life. It gives us, number one, a new satisfaction. A new satisfaction. It means no longer are we looking for things of this world to satisfy that spiritual hunger. It means we're looking to Christ. And number two, when we take life from Christ, it gives us that new satisfaction in the current life and for life beyond. Amen? We don't have to wait for heaven for eternity. Let me say that again. We don't have to wait for heaven for eternity. Amen? Eternity begins when you accept this new life. The Bible says, Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, I made everything new. When we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, He forgives us of our sins. And eternity begins right now. William Barclay wrote this. He's a theologian and great Bible scholar. He wrote this. And he said, the one thing that defeats God is the defiance of the human heart. The one thing that defeats God is the defiance of the human heart. So we're going to prepare to go to the Lord's table this morning. If you have your communion elements there in front of you, I want you to Get those ready to go. Because the Bible talks clearly about what Jesus showed us when he went to the Lord's table in that last supper. As he sat down with his disciples, he instructed them what was taking place. He told them once again what he was doing. He reminded them that the purpose of him coming was that he would have to die. But he would have to die for you and for me. And, and he, he explained to his disciples that just didn't quite get it yet. He told them, I'm never going to take drink of this cup or eat of this bread again until I come again. But every time you do this, remember what I've done for you. So as we gather around the Lord's table this morning, we're also instructed in his word to examine ourselves before we come to the table. To see if there's anything in our hearts that would separate us from God. 
If there's any sin in our life that, that removes his presence in our life. You see, the only thing in, in a relationship with Christ that messes that up is when we're living in sin. Well, pastor, the Bible says that nothing separates me from God's love. That's right. He will love you no matter what. But you will be separated from him if you never turn from your sin. That's reality, folks. And the Bible says if we take of this cup, and we eat of this bread, of this sacrifice that he gave, and we partake of this, this, this grace that he has for us, and we haven't checked our heart, that we are asking for double judgment on our lives. It's in there. You can go read it. And so I want to ask you this morning, because the only thing that defeats God is a defiant human heart. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment. Father God, would you come in this moment? We believe that you, that you are indwelt among us. You are living in us through your Holy Spirit today. God, maybe there's some people here today that haven't accepted that gift of salvation. They know about you. They, they believe that you exist, but they just haven't experience that saving grace in their life. God, if there's somebody here today that that's going on in their life, would you, would you just kind of nudge them in a spiritual way? Say, hey, I need you to examine yourself. I need you to repent. I need you to turn away. I need you to ask for forgiveness for living for yourself. And I want to give you the bread of life that will satisfy you in new ways. God, maybe there's people here today that they've been walking with you for a while, but they've just got kind of things misunderstood. We, we listen too much to some other influence, and we don't check it against Scripture. And God, would you help us to really get back in focus to who our source is today? So God, if that's us today, I, I pray that you'd help us to repent, to ask forgiveness, to turn away from trying to feed ourselves, trust you to feed us. God, I pray as we gather around your table that you would keep us reminded of your love and your grace and your mercy. If you take the bread out of that top section of your elements there, it's a little wafer. Jesus sat at the table with his disciples, his followers, his friends. As we're sitting here today. And he reminded them that he was going to go to a cross. He was going to take on their sin. He was going to take on the sin of the world for the sake of having a relationship with God. And even though we don't always get it, we don't always understand the full context of everything. Jesus took the bread and he said to his followers, this bread represents my body that is going to be broken for you. And he broke the bread and he blessed it. He thanked God for the opportunity. And he told his disciples, every time you take this bread, remember the sacrifice I made for you. 
Receive this grace. Eat it and be thankful. You may eat the bread and be thankful. Then the Bible says, after dinner, Jesus took the cup. Even in that moment, one account tells us that <laughs> Judas was still there. Judas, the one that was going to betray and be the defiant heart. And yet Jesus still said, God loves you. So wherever we may be at today, Maybe we've just examined ourselves and we've made that fresh renewal of our walk with him. Jesus takes the cup and he says, every time you look at this cup, remember that this is my blood that was shed for you as a perfect sacrifice for your sins. So when you take and drink this cup, remember what I've done and receive this grace freely. Take and drink this cup. Would you stand with me this morning? Father God, as we close this time of prayer, I pray that you would not just help us to walk out of here with a box check today that we did our spiritual duty. We got fed today so we can wait till next Sunday. But God, would you walk with us? Would you feed us every day? Would you speak to us? Would you open our eyes and our minds to receive from you what you have for us? Would you help us to be able to monitor what we are feeding ourselves with and to check it against your word and make sure it's from you so that your spiritual food will give us spiritual life and that we will never hunger and thirst for the things of this world again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Have a great day. May God bless you as you go and are his light in this dark world.